Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. We got a good one lined up for you today. But before we get started, we got to recognize our sponsors. You know, we got a lot of friends in this business, a lot of folks in the firearms industry, a lot of folks in the clothing industry and all that great stuff. Um, and they make this podcast totally possible. So I want to just jump right into this because I know you're anxious to hear who we got on board. And the first sponsor I'm going to recommend you guys pay attention to and hopefully visit and you know, buy from is Sig Sauer. Guys, Sig Sauer and the Sig Sauer Academy, what can I say? I grew up in New England. I travel to the Sig Sauer Academy all the time. I carried SIGs all over the place. I carried a 220 10 mil in Alaska. Um, I carried a 226 for a while in my early 20s. And uh, currently I'm going back and forth between a 320 X carry full size and a P365 that started off its life as a standard P365 with like a 10 and a 12 round mag. Now it's the XL grip. And my buddy Cav uh, recently hooked me up with an XL slide. So the 365, I swear to God, is one of those guns that like you just need to have at least one. Same thing with the 320 because you can modify it pretty much to whatever you want. Um, and now I got word that I might be even get my hands on one of those 10 mils, which is pretty sick. I love the 10 millimeter. It's one of those rounds that has all the millimeters. And if you can find some of the original hot rounds that are loaded to the original specs, mother of God, that is a potent black bear dangerous game round. So guys, please check out Sig Sauer. Please check out the Sig Sauer Academy. When you go up there, take a look at the new Sig Experience Center. It should be opening up. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy everything about that whole experience. Uh, please stay at the Exeter Inn if you go up there and check out Goody Coles. Those are my two recommendations for a place to stay and a place to eat if you go up there. Second company I want to bring your attention to are the good folks over at Black Rifle Coffee. And if you use the coupon code CRAFT15, that'll get you uh, a discount when you check out. Certain things aren't going to be on that discount. It is what it is. Um, but you'll find that it's going to work with uh, a lot of the ground coffees and a lot of the instant coffees and things like that. Evan and the guys over in Salt Lake City, they've hosted us a bunch of times. We've hosted them. I mean, on our Sprinter van, if you guys ever see us on the road, big green Mercedes van with Black Rifle Coffee on the side, honk at us, wave at us, don't wave anything at us. And if you find us at a gas station, see if we have any of those ready to drink cans, which we probably do. And we'll give you one. So please use that coupon code CRAFT15, and that will get you a discount when you check out at Black Rifle Coffee. And uh, if you guys haven't tried our new Fieldcraft Endurance Blend, please do so. I mean, right now, Shackleton is so hot, right? I mean, that's what everyone is talking about, the whole Shackleton uh, endurance ship being found and being preserved all those years. Well, drink a cup of coffee, read up on it. It's an awesome story, and it's even better coffee. All right, guys, <clears throat> like I said, I'm not going to waste too much of your time here. Please check out our good friends over at Sig Sauer and Black Rifle Coffee, and let's give this podcast a listen. Here we go. Hey, welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. And uh, we got a special guest today who came in to buy something about 20 minutes ago, and we got to talk. And if you come to the North Carolina office and you got a cool story, you're getting roped into a podcast. I'm just telling you that right now. Um, so sitting with me today is Tom Smith from Wild Rose Kennels. And Tom, uh, 
he's a dog trainer and Wild Rose Kennels has, um, they have a therapy dog section and then they, they breed and train um, bird dogs, right, for hunting. Correct. All right, cool, man. I love talking about dogs. I have a special place in my heart for dogs. And, um, you know, I've often heard it said, we don't deserve dogs. They're no, too, they're too good. More. They're too good for people, couldn't right? agree more. Um, the, the amount of, of supposedly human traits a dog has and is better at it, like they're, they're, they're that you watch a dog and, and you can just learn so much. So, um, when I said, Hey, you want to do a podcast? You said, I can talk about dogs for hours from time. This is your chance. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's talk about that. Tell me about the company first. Okay. We are excited to be celebrating our 50th year in business this year. Wow. Uh, started in 1972 and we have, uh, now we moved it from Grand Junction, Tennessee to, Oxford, Mississippi in 1999. And in the last three years, we've also opened up locations in Dallas, Texas, Mebane, North Carolina, and our our one in Wisconsin is going to be coming online this year also. So we try to have basically a Fort Apache approach where we have outposts. So we have a place clients can get to within about 12 hours in the United States. Okay. Uh, we just haven't conquered the Northwest yet. All right. So, um, Wild Rose is an overarching company. Is that what it is? And they have branches? Correct. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I grew up hunting. Like, I, I grew up in Ireland, and you, you there wasn't a lot of guns you could have, right? But my old man had a shotgun, and uh, we did a lot of hunting. We used Springer Spaniels mostly. Believe it or not, we used, like, Dachshunds or Dachshunds. Oh, or, yes, like, yes. Great little dogs for getting in the brush and flushing out rabbits and stuff. Absolutely. And, and I, I, you know, you can almost train any dog, I guess, to do what you need them to do. Um, some are better than others, and they're, they're, um, they've been, they've evolved over generations to become what they are. Like, labs are just phenomenal swimmers. They're, they're. They're so into hunting and, and outdoors and so such a, a ball of energy too. Um, and that's mainly what you guys do, labs, right? Yeah, that's all we do. We do the uh, uh, imported genetics from the UK, uh, Britain, Ireland, Scotland. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have any American mixes in with us. Uh, they're a little smaller dog, mm. uh, a little more even tempered. Okay. Uh, like a big male for us is 70 pounds. Okay. Um, and what's so an American lab? American labs are going to be a little bit bigger. Some of those get it in the one, 105, 110 range. Yeah. Um, a lot of the field trial guys like the big, long leg running dogs. Mm -hmm. Field trials are incredible to watch those dogs, what they can do. Mm -hmm. um, ours, we just train a little different. We train the British way. We don't. We don't use force. We don't force fetch. We don't train with an e-collar. Um, our philosophy is we breed the right genetics, bring out the natural ability of the dog, apply controls. And now the hard part, training the owner, yeah. they're going to have the dog they want. So our our clients are looking for that dog of duality that can ride in their private jet with them, sit mm. by the fire, and then the next morning duck hunt and that afternoon quail hunt behind the bird dogs. So yeah. um and, and also we do adventure dog stuff like hiking, biking, camping, canoeing, mm. uh, shed hunting, mm. um, and uh, stuff like that. So it's a, the, the labs are great because whatever you want to do that day, it's the greatest day of their life. Yeah, it uh, is. We're going hunting today, yeah. greatest day of yeah. my life. We're yeah. going on the boat today, greatest yeah. day of my if, life. Like Vinny, my dog, my Mal, that's a service dog that was donated to me. Like he would rather sit in a car with me for eight hours 
than be in the backyard running free. You know what I mean? Like he just wants to be with you. He doesn't care what you do. He just wants to be with you. Like he's almost, you can tell he's stressing out if he thinks you're going to leave him in the morning. And yep. he's like waiting yep. by the door because he just wants to go. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. they, yeah. they uh, It's part of one of the motivators of training a dog is to be with you. Yeah. To be part of the pack. Mm-hmm. And not be be left alone or anything. So we use that if a dog's not acting right. Say we're doing a group training scenario. If a dog isn't acting right, they get removed from the yeah. pack. Yeah, and have to watch. And yeah. then they start acting right. We start bringing them in closer and closer and closer. If they start acting bad again, we pull them out wow. until they realize you have to give me the behavior I'm looking for yeah. before you get what you want. Wow. Yeah. Talk to me about. Uh, because we, we talked up in my office there a few minutes ago and I was saying, like, I you know, I've had a lot of dogs in my life and, and Vinny, my service dog, is the first dog that was ever professionally trained, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell you, now that I've had that, I don't think I could go back to, to a dog doing like whatever the hell he wants and you're trying to figure out how to how to train him, right? So talk to me about the, the psychology behind training a dog because I you know I, I the more I see Vinny and the more I talk to professional trainers once you understand how a dog thinks and how that pack mentality plays into his behavior or her behavior it, it's actually quite easy right but but most people just don't understand that and I don't pretend to but I, I think it's fascinating we talk about that a lot using psychology on dogs, figuring out what makes them excited. I just had something happen to me in the last few days, having real struggle with the dog, wanting to pick things up. Don't want to pick up a bumper, mm. which usually they're very excited for. So What's a bumper? Um, it's a training... Uh, uh, it's a training dummy. Like a fetch tool kind yeah, of. Like yeah, like a yeah. fetch tool, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, yeah. We use a canvas-covered uh, cork-filled bumper uh, that has a better feel for it than like a plastic bumper or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the dog is not wanting to pick it up. I've got all the drive in the world, goes out to it, and then it's kind of like, I eh, don't like this. Well, I f- this weekend, I figured out she likes to pick up deer antlers. Yeah. So now we're going to use that to get that retrieve drive going where she's picking it up, bringing it back, picking it up, bringing mm-hmm. it back, picking it up, bringing it back. And then we're going to move it all over the place because you've got to keep moving because dogs are very place oriented. So if you have, we call it, we have our five by five rule. A dog doesn't understand a skill until they can do it five times correctly in five locations. Okay. Like for a lab, be on the land, in the woods, in the water, in short grass and tall grass, mm. combination of all the above. Uh, when they understand that drill and all those different locations, they understand the skill. So are they tying the drill to the location? If you don't do that? Yes. Th- yes. Okay. It, it call it, we call it transitional work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because dogs, I can show you how to put together a widget right here, walk you out in waist deep water, you can put the widget together. That's not how dogs think. You have to show them on land mm. and then show them again on water. Mm-hmm. And we always say, get it right on land before you go to the water unless you're fond of swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the example you used there about with that dog with the deer antlers, is that kind of normal that each dog has his own little ways of doing things and you got you to gotta kind of understand that to an extent yes the luckily luckily with the retrievers they all want to retrieve yeah and you just finally every now and then you get little quirks we had a dog that wouldn't pick up anything on land but he'd pick up in the water all day long mm-hmm. well we got him rolling on the water then threw one on land one day and he ran up there and picked it up without thinking about it yeah and then after that he was fine <laughs> so that's what we're going to do with this antler we're going to use that antler yeah. for this dog and then when he when she's rolling real good, we're going to throw a bumper out there. Oh, real quick, like just to yep. switch and it out? She, and then she'll pick it up and be like, 
Yeah. And okay. not even think about it. Yeah. So then you're, you're transitioning. But the key is just like training people, what makes them tick? You know, people, yeah. some people want money. Some people want praise. Some people want to be left alone. You know, some people want public praise. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing with a dog. You figure out what motivates them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most labs are, of course, motivated by food. Yeah. Are they? Mo- yeah. 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 That's how they get know, heavy in their older yep. ages. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I'm part lab. Uh, <laughs> um, so you find these little tricks, you get in their head and figure out what makes them tick. Mm. And then you start building your program around it. We have a kind of standardized program. We have a book out called Sporting Dog and Retriever Training the Wild Rose Way. Mm-hmm. And it takes you all the way through puppyhood, all the way through finishing work, destination travel. Well, the book is there and it 95% of the time it works for every dog. But you just like people, you have something a little different. Mm-hmm. So you have to adjust on the fly. You got to throw a frago out there and say, okay, we're switching off this. Yeah. We're, we're going over here. This is not working. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and that's what we do. You talk about psychology. It's, it's getting in the mind of the dog yeah. and figuring them out. So labs in particular, what, what is the thing that, that drives a lab? You said food is one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you use to, to, for positive reinforcement? Or no, other, we don't, we don't know? train with treats. Okay. Uh, we don't train with clickers. We do positive I, we call it a balanced approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I praise as much as I can, but I will make corrections. Whereas a true positive approach, they never say no. Mm. Well, you follow us around in the field, you think we're psychotic because if I have to correct a dog, I want to find something fairly soon to praise them for mm. to get them out of the mindset. Just if you constantly getting uh, chastised, yeah. you're going to, you're going to just stay in a bad like, mindset. Like a person. So I want, like a person, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I want to flip them out of that mm-hmm. with praise. And, and they don't get confused where they do something wrong and they get, you know, uh, chastised and then immediately get praised. They don't, they don't confuse the no, two. No, I don't yeah. know because I won't praise them right in that area. Oh. I'll move away. So and it seems very spatial. It seems very... Uh, location focused right are dogs very tied to that location yes okay yes. dogs are very place oriented mm. um like when we start teaching hand signals we start teaching them all of us start teaching them in one field okay that's they know they are working on hand signals when yeah. they go to that field when they're young yeah. after that once they understand the concept we start moving around the transitional stuff then you start tying it together. It's really strange. We run this one drill called switching on doubles at these two cedar trees. And we also talk a lot about inversion. So I was running it the same way. Well, the other side of the cedar trees, we had dissed up to plant our food plot. Well, I flipped it over. And now the dog's running out of a dissed up food plot. You thought he was on the moon. Yeah. He was totally confused. Yeah. Because 180 degree inversion, different terrain. Mm-hmm. Uh, dogs have a lot of psychological barriers. Shadow mm-hmm. lines, grass lines. What's shadow lines? Oh, just yeah, shadows? Just a, just a shadow. Really? Just shadow. Yeah, they'll hit that shadow at a 90 degree angle. Next thing you know, they're running laterally really? to it. Really? They push through. Just mm-hmm. like they hit row crop. Yeah. They'll want to go in there and they'll start running up and down the rows instead of pushing all the way through. Mm, so okay. it's really interesting figuring out their little their little barriers. I'd and say, you know, I was going to ask you this later, but I, I'd say that that location based training is probably something 
people get wrong when they're trying to train their own dog, right? They're like, okay, he does this at home, but he won't do it here or, or something like that. Uh, what, what's, what's the big things that people get wrong as civilians trying to train their dog by themselves? One is inconsistencies. Right. Uh, everybody in the house has to be on the same page. Yep. We talk about to get the dog you want, you have to have repetition and consistency. Mm -hmm. uh, you do, when, when I walk out the door, the dog sits, I invite him out. Walk in the door, the dog sits, I invite him in every single time until you create a predictable habit. Mm -hmm. So they're they're inconsistent. Like, say, your wife doesn't allow Vinny on the couch. Yeah. And she's at work one day, and uh, you're sitting on the couch eating Cheetos, yeah. you know, watching it's Oprah learn how to the multitask. Other way yeah. <laughs> um, and, and she comes in, and, and the dog gets in trouble. Now the dog's confused. Yeah. Well, he said I could get on here. She says I can't. It's, who, who's yeah. the leader? Who's, yeah. the, who's the leader at that point in time? Mm -hmm. um, uh, going through a door too. You're not. You're not. You're not supposed to let the dog go through the door first, right? Correct. Leaders go first. So yeah. And I, I again, I, probably all dogs are like this, but with mouths, you can't let them away with anything because they're so smart. They learn bad behavior really quickly. So, most do. Yeah. Most yeah. do, especially if you have more of a. a an alpha type personality, mm -hmm. they're going to test you. Yeah. They're going to yeah, test you. Yeah, you know, yeah. they just like, just yeah. like anybody else. Like, like kids, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's interesting. I, like I stop him and I, I go through the door first, but uh, sometimes I let him go when I shouldn't. I should be very, very consistent with him and, and hold him accountable. And everybody in the house needs to, needs to hold him accountable to the same standard, right? Correct. My dog Mattis, if I don't tell him, as we walk through the door to come with me, yeah. he stops automatically. Yeah. So now I know I have a predictable habit, right? Yeah. He knows yeah. before he goes in the door, yep. he's got to stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, actually, I remember Tula, uh, she told Vinny to sit and wait. One time she gave him, she gave him his food and then he waits and then you say, mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. And then she forgot about him and she was working in the kitchen and she looked back like 15 minutes later and he's still, he's still sitting, sitting there. there. Yeah, yeah. So predictable habit. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, that, um, the other thing is you you are looking at the poster child for someone who didn't understand transitional training when he trained his first dog. I had this dog smoking everything in the backyard. Yeah. But I never trained it anywhere else. Yeah. So we got to the field. I didn't have, I didn't know about adding in all the stimulus, all the distractions, mm -hmm. uh, all that stuff. So it did not transfer. Well, now after uh, training under Mike for so long, mm. it's a pro, it's a process. We talk about the, the stimulus package. You, you don't do it all at one time. Mm. One time it's your distractions. One times it's your uh, complexity. You do it separately before you bring it all together. Right. Yeah. You know, it's you know, building I'm, blocks. A, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because yeah. if, you, if your building blocks aren't good, your pyramid's going to fall. Right. It's yeah. Your foundational skills. Yeah. And and the dog's happier, right? People don't know. Oh, yeah. You know, dogs are happier when they're when they're uh, performing, right? Correct. When doing what you want. They're, Correct. They're at their happiest. I see that all the time. Yeah. They want a job. Yeah. 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 And, and so inconsistency with people training their own dog, not, mm -hmm. not changing up locations. Mm -hmm. What else do, do civilians like me get wrong? Um, mainly, mainly is not making the dog do what you want before the dog gets what it wants. And I always tell people, I mean, they got a good gig, free healthcare, free education, <laughs> free housing, yeah. free food. Yeah. You know, they've got to give me what I want before they get what they want. Mm -hmm. And when they get, give me, what I'm looking for, the behaviors I'm looking for, they're going to get a reward. They're going to get the retrieve. They're going to get to go get in the car. They're going to mm -hmm. get to go kayaking. Uh, 
all those things. So building those foundational skills is mm. so important with your dog. And it all starts, everything you put in a dog between six weeks and six months is there forever, good or bad. So you have to be careful what you put in because you can mask it with training later, but it will always be there. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you what, what's the earliest you should start training a dog? Um, I tell people when they pick up their puppies, I give you 24 hours really? yeah. <laughs> to play yeah. with your puppy. Yeah. And of course, I still want the puppy to have a good puppyhood yeah. and not be crazy strict on them. Mm. But by the time they're in the 10 to 12 week range, I'm going to start putting in some pretty good barriers. Me, I start off pretty much when I take them home mm -hmm. and little things talking about putting in between six weeks and six months. I start my dogs on the whistle, sitting to the whistle as soon as they understand verbal sit. Mm -hmm. And when you transfer to the field where you're trying to stop them with the whistle at 200 yards, it's it's easier to do as you go through training because I've done it and mm -hmm. done it and done it and done it. Just so much repetition. They know when I blow the whistle, they sit and look at me. Yeah. Is that why, the, like the, the six weeks to six months, is that why they say it? you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Oh, you can. Yeah. You can, yeah. but it takes longer. Yeah. Uh, the first dog I ever trained was two and a half years old. Uh, I just started full time at Wild Rose and people brought it in and said, they want this dog trained. That was a test. Uh, <laughs> um, and then Mike is standing there with me mm -hmm. and uh, he's holding the lead. The clients walk away. He hands me the lead. He said, fix it and turned around and walked off. Damn. So yeah. no pressure, you know, yeah. your first dog you ever mm -hmm. trained professionally yeah. so yeah um but you know swimming the deep water will make it easier yeah. in the long yeah. run yeah. sometimes you just got to jump in the pool mm -hmm. right you just got to do that um the uh the other thing that we talked about earlier um is is putting you call it the santa claus effect or something like that disney right effect. Disney, disney effect, effect. that's yeah. what it was where you put a human mind on the dog right the dog Correct. wants a big fluffy pillow and the dog wants is that, is that what we're talking about here the disney effect yes the disney yeah. effect it's basically humanizing your dog yeah. and while it's easy to do because they're so you love dogs so much yeah. and you want to be part of the family but they're still dogs they like having rules yeah they like having a schedule yeah um at Three three o'clock today in Oxford, the kennel is going to go ballistic with barking because we feed at three thirty. Mm -hmm. I've searched every one of those dogs for that watch, and I still I know, haven't found. They know, they, they know. We absolutely. had a boxer; he, he passed recently, but he knew exactly when it was five o'clock. Yes, like you could set your watch. To yeah, like, and they don't care if the time changes. Yeah. <laughs> when it's five o'clock and on home time, it's yeah. time to eat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so their funny. body clocks yeah. are very interesting, and I've seen dogs come in that have been a little on the uh, wild side, maybe didn't have as much structure at home. Yeah. And it's amazing how they take to structure. Yeah. How yeah. they can change in two to three weeks, being a different dog just by having that structure. I wonder how that ties into to the, the wild wolf kind of back. Cause a lot of things tie into, to being a wild animal, right? The pack mentality and all that kind of thing. And you, you can see a lot of things in there. I wonder how that structure and that, 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 kind of following a schedule would, would tie into that. Or maybe the pack does everything together or something like that. I, I don't think in the wild they have what, what we consider as much as a schedule. Yeah. Uh, but they have rules. Yeah. Just like we talk about uh, if you're petting all the, petting your dog all the time. Yeah. In the wild, who grooms who? Subordinates groom the leader, Ooh. right? So if you're petting your dog all the time, 
who's the leader and who's the subordinate. I'm the subordinate. For uh, yeah, I so guess I am. Sometimes, Sorry, you know, Vinny. I, my... I can't pet you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's okay. And you also have to read the dog. Yeah. Uh, my old dog, Dixie, who, who passed away, got away with a lot around the house. Mm-hmm. But me and her sat down and had a conversation. I says, if this, these, these, if these freedoms affect your performance in the field, yeah. you're going to lose them. Yeah. Yeah. And it never did. She was a completely different dog. You hit the field. I reached over to pet her one time while we were duck hunting, mm-hmm. and she looked at me mm-hmm. and moved away. Wow. She's like, "Yeah, we're we're busy. Yeah. You can yeah. pet me after we're done." But yeah, she was she was all business in the field. Wow. Yeah. The, the um, I remember when I was a kid. I remember asking, I think somebody about you know who the dog follows right and they're like, "Oh, the dog follows whoever feeds it." But that's not true, right? It's the alpha male in the family, right? Yes, the dog will like Mattis loves me and my wife. Yeah. But he's my dog. Yeah. Whether yeah. or not she feeds him if I'm not there or whatever and she does stuff with him, but he knows I'm the guy, I'm the bringer of fun. Yeah. I'm the one who takes him hunting. I'm yeah. the one who goes out and works him. I do all this stuff. So they're going to pick one or the other that's going to be their primary. Right. You know, you're going to have your primary and your secondary and but they'll work for both people. Yeah. They're just going to work better for one. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I, I used to be the primary. I'm not sure I still am, but. Uh, um, well, I have uh, <laughs> Mattis's grandpa yeah. retired, moved into the house and mm-hmm. I've traveled all over the country with this dog hunting him everywhere. He's not my dog anymore. Yeah. He is 100% my wife's dog. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I talked to, uh, and this is not your world really, but I, I talked to a dog handler in New Jersey State Police SWAT team a while ago, and he was like, you're training, because they're training attack dogs. Mm-hmm. You're taking a dog who sees a human as uh, like a superior creature, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to flip that and train a dog to attack a human being and take them down fearlessly, you know? And not all dogs are obviously good. They don't have the mindset for that. But um, a lot of those mouths will. They can train them to where they can, oh, I'm going to chase this guy down and tear him, you know, and, and pull him to the ground. They're like, once you, once you train the dog that way, but they're they're super, uh, they're not aggressive around their handlers or around other people. They, they just, they can switch that switch. Correct. Um, like Vinny, that mal, he was imported from Belgium. Um he is not aggressive at all in any way, shape, or form. No matter what, I've never seen him even growl at another dog or anybody. You know, he's it's just it's his uh, it's his personality and his uh, his temperament is fantastic. Um, all right, so uh, for people training their dogs, inconsistency—that's a huge one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, change up the location. Mm-hmm. Um, they got to give before they get, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, does that how? How uh, how much training per day is enough, uh, or does that grow over time? It grows yeah. over time, okay. Because these puppies have such a short attention span. Yeah, yeah. So by the time they're in the seven eight month range, a year right in right probably in the seven months is when we start really formal formal training. Um, we'll do thirty to forty five minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, but uh, the dogs are always in training, even yeah. if they live in the house, if because if. If, like I said, if you let them start getting away with stuff, they're they're always learning. They're always watching. They're always listening. They are. They'll and they'll give them an inch. Yep. They'll take a mile. Yep. Yep. I I so Vinny there. We take them out a couple times a day, right? And and sometimes we play with them. Sometimes we just take them out. But we have a, like a chew toy, and he, he plays with it. And he throws it, and you go hide it, and he goes finds it, and all that. He'll get to the point where he won't give it back. 
Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, we're done. We go back in. And I assume that's him saying, I'm freaking done. Or he just, he just, he gets to that point after 15 minutes that he won't release it. Yeah. No matter what. So I just say, okay, we're done. We go back in. So th- that can be a couple things. Yeah. One, if a dog gets like that, you could be, he's tired of the repetition. Yeah. They get bored. Yeah. Um, we we have this big formula we talk about repetition plus consistency minus boredom times variable conditions equals a predictable habit. Yeah. And dogs get bored. If yeah. you run this, I had a call a couple of weeks ago, a guy, well, my dog's doing this. I said, well, tell me what you're doing. Yeah. He was going to the same place every day yeah. doing the exact same thing. So the dog was bored out of his mind. I would be too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you're right. It's right at the back here because it's convenient. Yeah. We, we need to go somewhere else. That's a great one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, socialization is big for dogs. Yeah. Uh, the great thing is the world is opening up more to dogs. Mm-hmm. So if we have a real terrible day, pouring rain, thunder, lightning at the kennel, we load up the dog trailers and we take all the dogs to Home Depot. Yeah. Yep. And so mm-hmm. they got the sliding doors there. Mm-hmm. They've got, I love it during Halloween because I'll walk by and punch all the buttons on yeah, all the decorations yeah. that make noise and yeah. move. Yeah. Um, so taking them, socializing them is a, is a big thing too. Yeah. Um, so you, you said it could be a couple of things. One is the, the repetition. W- what else do you think it could be with, with the Vinny case in particular? I know with our dogs, uh, we don't do any type of chew toys. Yeah. Um, because... If you give them stuff to chew on when they're teething, they want to chew all the time. What do you teach them to do? To bite chew, down. To chew. Oh, yeah. So yeah. now they're going to be a chewer. Yeah. So we don't give them any chew toys. Yeah. Do, you, do you have that re- with, with with retriever dogs where they'll bite down in a game and damage it um, if they're not trained properly? That's called hard mouth. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. How do you How do you take that out of a dog that's already got it. I'm going to tell you what my old man did, who was, he was a big he was dog old trainer, school. but he was, he was old, old school. school. Yeah. He, he used yeah. to take a, uh, the, the skin of a rabbit and stuff it with like thorns and stuff yep. like that to yep. try and stop the dog doing that. I've, I've seen, I've old school guys would take a, a hammer handle and wrap barbed wire around it. Oh wow. And make the dog. Yeah. He it. wouldn't do that. Like, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are some of the crazy stuff yeah. people used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start off what we do. We call what's called, what's called positive hold conditioning. Yeah. Um, we figure we're bringing out the ability of the dog. And so we start off with a glove on with our fingers to see what kind of pressure the dog's putting on your hand. Mm-hmm. And that's going to tell us how easy or hard their mouth is. And we go from there. Mm-hmm. So we'll just keep working with them to teach them if they start chomping or something, we've got some uh, pressure points we use. Mm. Uh, we had this Rolfer come in, which is like a high tech massage guy mm-hmm. and showed us these pressure points on the dogs. Mm. And I will spend a week on the hold table massaging these pressure points before I even start hold conditioning. Yeah. And it's really cool. There's one on their paw. Yeah. I've literally put two dogs to sleep. What? sitting up almost falling over <laughs> with this pressure point on their paw so you get them real relaxed yeah. before you start the whole conditioning yeah and luckily we don't if we so we're like chefs we tr- only train wild rose dogs yeah so if we have a breeding that doesn't work right we change it yeah if we bring a dog up from puppyhood and we don't like how they trained off and we didn't like some of the stuff we were afraid is going to be passed on genetically. Mm. Yeah, we, 
it's out of the breeding program. Yeah. So yeah. we're yeah. real, real particular with our breeding program. Right. And all your, all your, not all your dogs, but your DNA, um, they come from England and, and Ireland, you said? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Because you want smaller dogs. They're smaller. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. they're just, that's just how they're bred over there. They're a little mm -hmm. smaller. Uh, they're a little, little calmer. Yeah. We, See, I was going to say like me. Yeah, but, but I'm exactly. not, I'm not calm. You're so calm. I haven't got you're a good so, temperament. You, you take orders well, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> People would disagree. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's interesting. The, um, so, um, yeah, what, uh, give me, so inconsistency, change of location, uh, give before you get. Whatever you teach in between six weeks and six months stays with them Correct. for life. That, that's crazy. Um, uh, <laughs> the petting thing I wrote down there. You're not going to get people to stop petting their dog. You're, you're not. Yeah. Um, but, and I don't want them to stop petting them. Yeah. Maybe just not constant. Yeah. Yeah. So a lady mm -hmm. was at a seminar. We kept seeing her reach in her pocket and give her dog something. Yeah. And finally, I was like, what are you doing? It's like, well, I'm giving him treats to keep him from whining. Oh, who's yeah. winning right there? Yeah. The dog. Yeah. You, now yeah. the dog knows. All he has to do is whine. He gets yep. a treat. He doesn't get chastised. He doesn't get removed from the pack. He just gets these little snacks. Yeah. yeah. So, so who's who's winning? Yeah, you're you're encouraging bad behavior right there. Correct. Yeah. Correct. The um, removing him from the pack that that's fascinating too. Just taking him out of the mix. Yes. And and that that yes. hurts them, right? It hurts their yes. feelings. <laughs> yes. And yeah. if I take him back ten. 10 yards they're yeah. still acting fool i'm going 20 yards yeah and then 30 yeah. and 40 where they have to just sit there and watch until they calm down yeah and and then can rejoin the pack that's awesome and, and act right yeah yeah um the uh uh change location i'm trying to get you know points that people can take from this with their dog at home what what, what other things have you seen people do that are, is just the wrong way to train a dog. Because it, sometimes just talking to a guy like you that says, don't do that, do this, you'll completely change the way people interact with their dog because they just didn't know they were doing the wrong thing. Uh, correct, yeah. correct. Mm -hmm. And that and that's one of the things, that's why we have the book. We put up uh, training tips on yeah. our, we've got, we just fil finished filming uh, 17 segments for Ducks Unlimited TV. Oh, It'll okay. be on their TV show this year yep. uh, for for training scenarios and training mm -hmm. vignettes. Yeah. Um, we've got about 120 videos on YouTube. Oh, okay. Uh, to look at. Oh, and okay. we have two DVDs for the basic gun dog and upland gun dog. So we have, we try to put a lot of information out there. Yeah. And yeah. then we also do seminars, uh, two, three, two or three weeks ago, we did, uh, our annual handler seminars, two days, basic handlers, two days advanced. Mm -hmm. And it's all about training the trainer. Mm about reading the dog and and all this how to set up drills but not only how to set them up but why mm. why do we do this drill how's it going to pertain to what you're going to run into in a hunting situation or a family situation yeah so we we try to get into a lot of the why with the clients and mm -hmm. uh it was a huge biggest one we ever did and, and it went fantastic and mm -hmm. it was a, it was a great event for everybody cool um you mentioned field trials Mm -hmm. did or, uh, at the start what are, tell me about field trials so we don't do field trials um there are two different types of trials in the u.s you got field trials and hunt tests mm -hmm. hunt tests are a little more uh, for your kind of everyday 
uh, handler who likes to do stuff with his dogs in the off season field trials you get in some serious stuff i mean they're expecting these dogs to run basically a 400 meter straight line mm-hmm. to a to a uh to a blind mm-hmm. they don't know anything's there they just point them and the dogs go yeah uh where our clients and, and the American trials are very different from the British trials. The British trials pretty much have all live birds, and you'll have your guys on the line who are your competing, and then they'll shoot all the birds, and all the ones that are close, they'll have what called pickers. Uh, yeah. They'll pick all those, and now the judge will come up and say, Kevin, there's a, a rooster pheasant over by that rock over there about 150 yards. There's your bird. Yeah. Well, if your bird, if your dog you take too many handles to get him there, you're mm-hmm. out. If he picks the wrong bird, mm-hmm. you're out. Uh, so it's it's a it's more realistic. It's the Olympics, man. Kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and it's real. If you're on the line and the dog whines, yeah. you're out. Wow. If the dog takes a step, yeah. you're out. Wow. It's real strict over there. So it's yeah. really neat. And it's a different, just a different kind of trial. American field trials are amazing to watch. Those yeah. dogs are just incredible. I mean, I can see where somebody could get into it and have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but we, our clients are looking for what we call the gentleman's gun dog. Mm-hmm. You know, hunt ducks in the morning, quail in the afternoon, sit by the, sit on their dog bed while you have a cocktail, watch football at night. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then the next day may maybe get on the boat and go fishing or go for a boat ride or mm-hmm. hop on the plane and, and go somewhere. So, cause hunting season is only short yeah. three months mm-hmm. roughly. Yeah. And then you got the other nine months. You got to do something with your dog and you, you and don't ruin them. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Um, and uh, we have a lot of dogs come back for tune-ups every year. Yeah. I'll bet. It, you, you guys have a nonprofit too for, for, uh, Service dogs? We do. Mm-hmm. We do. It's the uh, Wild Rose uh, Service Companions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, we've done diabetic alert dogs. We placed some dogs with uh, veterans. Um, so it's a real, really rewarding part mm-hmm. for me, especially. Mm-hmm. And Mike, who who I bought the kennel from, uh, he's, he retired from the Naval Reserves. Mm-hmm. So with, uh, with our uh, background to get to help being able to have a vet who's mm-hmm. given so much to the country and, you know, maybe struggling with some stuff to get yeah. their life on track. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's worth every penny. It's just yeah. it's something mm-hmm. fantastic. I enjoy doing. That's awesome. So, uh, where can people find you? Uh, YouTube? Uh, yes. We're, uh, uklabs.com is okay. our website. UK labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Facebook, Wild Rose Kennels, mm-hmm. Instagram, Wild Rose Kennels, and then T Smith Wild Rose is my personal Instagram. And on YouTube, if you just type in Wild Rose Kennels, um, it'll come up with a bunch of uh, bunch of bunch of uh, awesome. videos. Go check them out. That's that's. I could sit here and talk to dogs for all day. Uh, I, I could uh, too. I, I want to see one of your dogs at the back do some stuff. We, uh, we, we're we're, we're can, getting ready to get some out. And can I'll, you I'll uh, do some? Can do you some indulge stuff me a little bit more? Oh, absolutely. Before? I'm not letting you absolutely. leave. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I was just I was just excited to stop by here, and I was hoping uh, yeah. you or Mike would be here. So yeah. this has turned into a great day. Yeah, you can't you can't come in and buy something if you have a good story. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll rope you in. Um, Tom, thank you so much, and uh, I really appreciate and enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Kevin. All right, bye.